Welcome, everybody. You are listening to the Monument Church Podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. Before I start, I just want to encourage you to listen to two previous messages. One of them was from PJ on March 14th. That was one where he preached about uh, don't let anybody put you in a box. Uh, I just feel like it was a significant kind of springboard message for where we're going forward from this point on. And then the other one was just last week. Dan Hugh didn't just show up by accident. And he preached a message that, in essence, what he was saying was proclaiming the gospel and making disciples is hard work, but it's worth it. And I just feel like God is calling us to a higher level of engagement in the mission that he's called us to do. And it will be worth it in the end. So I uh, just encourage you to do that. Now the title, as you know, of this series is Acts, Let's Do It Again. And that's, uh, there's a reason why. Because we believe we can do it again. We believe we can have some of the same gospel success that they experienced in the first church. Um, God didn't change his strategy. He still works through the church, works through his word, and so we really feel that that can happen. Plus, we have the advantage of looking back at the early church and learning from them. Now, uh, I'm going to speak to you this morning. The title of my message is The Mission of the Church. What is the mission of the church? Now, when I, what I mean by that is the mission of the broader church of Jesus Christ worldwide. What is the mission of the church? Seems like a simple question, but now I know Monument's mission, uh, mission is point people to Jesus and plant churches. And what I hope today is as we get a clearer picture of the mission of the church, that that's going to help us fulfill our specific mission of pointing people to Jesus and planting churches. So as I move on from here, when I say mission of the church, I'm talking about the broader, broader church. To do this, I'm going to break it down into three points. Mission, it's what we do. Vision is why we do it. And strategy is how we do it. So let's dive right in. But before we do, just please pray with me. Lord, I want to thank you that we are involved in your work. Lord, that you are building your church. You are allowing us to be a part of it. So I, we thank you for that. I thank you that my hearers this morning are willing and, and ready to engage in that work. So Lord, we just come before you and ask that you would speak to us by your word and make us more equipped for that mission. In Jesus' name, amen. If we're not clear on the mission of the church, we can drift and just kind of get off course. Um, and for instance, one of the things that can happen, which is a, it's a kind of a problem, but it's actually a consequence of a good thing. You know, you have a good church, you have people that you love, people that you like hanging around with, and basically fellowship. You love being with the, the believers. But what can happen is we can, you know, kind of get off balance and too much inwardness and to the neglect of outward thinking. I, I love what I just heard with the new, na uh, the new members, talking about community here, but engaging the community out there. That's, that's awesome. So that's what we want to do. 
It turns out the early church had that problem. They were becoming ingrown. They were almost becoming locked in, in a sense, and we're going to see that. We're going to look at Acts chapter 10. It's a story of Cornelius and Peter. A lot of you might be familiar with the story. Now, I feel right at home with these two guys because Cornelius is Italian, and I'm Italian. That's why this mic is a little difficult, because I need both hands to talk. <laughs> we had the wired one in Gaithersburg, and I was okay, but we'll figure it out. But um, Peter was Jewish, and my mother was Jewish, so that makes me Jewish. So I feel right at home with these two guys. We're gonna, I'm just going to summarize beginning of chapter 10, because it's a long chapter, and then we're going to begin reading at verse 34. But to summarize, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Now, I'm a guy that likes books with pictures, and so here's a nice picture. It's a map, and it also gives me an opportunity to use this cool laser pointer. Here's Jerusalem right here. This is where everything started. This is where the Holy Spirit fell on the, the apostles. The church was birthed. Um, Peter preached. 3,000 people got saved. And then uh, something happened. Persecution started to arise. Stephen was martyred, which you heard about a couple weeks ago. And believers started to spread out. They were scattered. That's a word you've heard about. They were scattered in this area. But the leaders, like Peter, James, and John, they stayed in Jerusalem. Now we're going to be, uh, here's Caesarea up here, and here's Joppa. So this is our, what our story is about. So Caesarea is the Roman capital of the Judean province. It's where the governor, Pontius Pilate, lived. It's where Cornelius lived, because he was a military leader. So he is uh, described as a man who fears God and prays continually, which is, you know, rare for a Roman, rare for a Gentile. And an angel appeared to him one day and said, go fetch Peter, who is staying with Simon the Tanner in, uh, in Joppa. So he sends three men up there. It's about a day's journey. As they're approaching the house, before they got there, Peter decides to go up on the rooftop to pray. And Peter is, he's like the professor. He is all bro. Because what happened? He started praying, and right away he got hungry. So he yells down to his host, hey, you know, fix, fix me some lunch, and I'll be down in a little while. So he goes back to praying, and then he falls into a trance, and he has a vision. And what's the vision about? food. <laughs> a sheet comes down, on it is all these animals, reptiles, and he hears a voice of the Lord and it says, rise Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, by no means Lord, never have I eaten anything unclean. Now that statement right there is going to tell us a lot, gives us the whole context. Peter was a Jew, he was a strict Jew. Even though he was a believer, he still followed all the Jewish laws, as did all the other apostles, as did Jesus. They, they were Jews. They remained in the Jewish community. If you, we, we, we really miss this, but if you read many times in Acts, even just up until this point, it says from day to day they were in the temple and from house to house. You know, verses like that where they went to the temple often, the apostles um, preached in the temple. As a matter of fact, Saul, before he became Paul, when he went to Damascus, said he requested letters from the high priest to go to Damascus that he might drag uh, men and women bound back to Jerusalem that were believers. 
and it says he went to the synagogues to find them. So it just shows you that the believers were still within the Jewish faith, the Jewish practices, the Jewish community. Getting back to Peter, the Lord says, Peter, never consider anything unclean that I have considered clean. And Peter needs things said to him three times, so the Lord said it three times. And uh, the sheep went up, and Peter came out of his trance, and he was just perplexed. Never consider anything unclean that I've considered clean. And while he's thinking about this, there's a knock at the door. And it's, it's the three men that Cornelius sent, and the Spirit said to Peter, three men are looking for you. Go and do as they request. So Peter goes down, opens the door. They explain why they're there. Peter says, okay, we'll leave in the morning. He leaves the following morning, and they get to uh, Cornelius' house in Caesarea. So let's start reading at verse 34 of Acts chapter 10. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. All right, so see, Peter's starting to get it now. But that in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable in his sight. Let's just jump to verse 39 and continue from there. And we are witnesses of all that he did in both the country of Jews and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. God raised him to appear, not to all, but to us who have been chosen by God, witnesses, who ate and from the dead, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter was still saying these things. The Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were raised because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out and even on the Jews. So even they were amazed. Do you see that uh, there's a breaking out now? There's a new kind of a paradigm shift with the Gentiles. You know, Cornelius is the first Gentile to receive the word and receive the faith. So there's this, this breaking out. Um, we see that God, this was so important that God had to intervene supernaturally in Peter's life and Cornelius to get this to happen. Uh, one theologian says this is one of the most important chapters in the Bible because finally the gospel now is going to break out of the Jewish nation and go to the Gentiles. There's a major shift in, in the church. Uh, we see that the gospel causes an outward focus. Now, Peter and the church locked in to the Jewish community. No, the gospel is to take the gospel out to all the world. Peter learned what the mission of the church really is, to proclaim the gospel to everyone. So this is just a good, simple answer to the question, what is the mission of the church? To proclaim the gospel to everyone. It's just kind of simple, but for, for our purposes, it, it does the job. The second point is vision. Why we do what we do. Now, I, I really feel this is the most important point because we can know what to do and we can know how to do it, but if we're not motivated to do it, we're, we're not going to do it. 
and we need to be motivated by, by God and by Scripture. So the reason we do it is the, the mission of God. Now that's a term that you might not have heard, but and you really won't find it if you look for a Scripture here or a Scripture there, but as we zoom out and we look at the whole biblical narrative, we see the mission of God. We see God doing something through history. It's almost like a stream of the mission of God flowing through history. We see that the Bible is about one thing, the mission of God. Now listen to this. Reuben Skews writes this. The mission of God refers to God's great mission to restore humanity to himself through Jesus and his call to us, his church, to take part in that mission. It's a mission, this is important, it's a mission that has been in place for thousands of years and continues to this day. The Great Commission, all right, Matthew 28, 18, go into all the world and make disciples. The Great Commission is not the beginning of the plan. It's our, our call to be a part of the existing plan of God to make his name known to the nations. Author Christopher Wright, in his book, The Mission of God, writes the following. The God of Israel, whose declared mission was to make himself known to the nations through Israel, now wills to be known to the nations through the Messiah. So we're going to look at a couple of events in biblical history, and we're just going to see this mission of God flowing through time. So it starts way back in Genesis 12.1. It's the call of Abraham. God calls Abraham. I'm just going to kind of read a couple of parts of this. He said, I'm going to make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I want you to notice those words, so that, means purpose. I'm not just going to make you a great nation for your own fame. I'm going to make your name great so that you will be a blessing. He finishes it with, by you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Out of your family is going to come the Messiah who's going to bless all families of the earth. This is called missional election, called for a purpose. I believe it's what Peter had in mind when he wrote 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Chosen so that. Chosen with a purpose. Exodus 9, verse 13 through 15. Now this is Moses, uh, God speaking through Moses to Pharaoh. It's right before the seventh plague. And God says this, Let my people go that they may serve me. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, and you would have been, you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose I have raised you up to show you my power, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. See that so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. And you never see the words, let my people go by themselves. Never, he wasn't interested in just giving them their freedom. It was, my people go, that they may serve me. Always a purpose that always pointed to God. And finally, Solomon's temple. Now the temple represented the pinnacle of the history of Israel. This beautiful temple by God's design. You know, walls overlaid with gold. 
bronze candlesticks and acacia wood, and it was, it was spectacular. People would come from all around to see this temple. It was the presence of, where the presence of God resided. At the dedication of the temple, Solomon, he says, likewise, when a foreigner who's, who is of your people Israel comes from a far country for your sake, when he comes and prays toward this house, heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all of the earth may know your name and fear you. You see how God, he wasn't just the nation of Israel. You know, we think, we think okay, well, the Old Testament is God and the nation of Israel and the New Testament is God and the church. No, the Old Testament is God through the nation of Israel and the New Testament is God through the church. His declared mission is to make himself known now through the Messiah. Galatians 4.4 4 says this, but when the fullness of time come, came, so not some random time, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. The momentum builds for the mission of God to make himself known now through the Messiah, Jesus. So that's why we do what we do. It's, it's, it's the mission of God. We can participate in this ancient story that still is continuing to this day of the living God making himself known to everyone. That's our vision. That's why we do what we do. Last one is strategy. How we do it. Now, there's a lot of ways to proclaim the gospel. Um, I don't want you to think it's just um, being on a street corner with a, a megaphone. Some people do that. I, I don't. But there's many ways to do it. There isn't a right and wrong way. But what I want to submit to you today is that we do it the way God did it with us. He came and he lived amongst us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He came and he lived amongst us. Here's the thing. We have to realize that Unbelievers are not going to come to our church just because we open the doors. As a matter of fact, you know, the, the, the values of our society and the values of the church are getting further and further apart. So we have to go to them. But, and not just a one and done, not just to go to them with a message. But I, I, I feel like we have to, as, as you were saying before, just become enmeshed into the community. You know, be part of, you know, their running clubs or their whatever, theater clubs or um, city improvement clubs or whatever. Just go and get to know people. Become their friends. Jesus teaches us to be the best friends we could ever be because Jesus was the best friend that there could ever be. And we can be, you know, people, you'd be surprised. People, when we become friends with them and just share the love of Jesus and we start to care about them and are concerned with them, you, you'd be surprised how they respond to that. I'm just going to share on this end, finishing a couple of minutes, because um, I can give you a whole bunch of practical points, but I really want you to just feel the heart of this. And I, I, I was encouraged to just share some of our personal experiences. So this is how Shirley and I do. Shirley's my wife, for those of you who don't know. Um, and um, it's going to look different for everybody. Okay? We're empty nesters. Some of you have a full nest. Hey, Jordan. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's going to look different for everybody, how you do it, but 
We want to get into the community. We want, we want to get to know people so that we can be there when they're asking questions and we can answer the questions that they're asking. You know, too often we, we give answers to people that to questions they're not even asking. But if we, when we spend the time with them, become their friend, and uh, it's, it's, it does take an investment and it takes a long time, but um, we get to a point where they know us, they trust us, and we might be the only believer that they know. But now they, they like us, they trust us, and they, they come to us. We went to a, uh, started going to this restaurant in our community, and one day we saw a poster in the window, and it said live music every Wednesday night. So we looked at each other, and we thought, yeah, that would be a great way to meet some of the people in our community. So we just started going every Wednesday, and I mean every Wednesday. I used to call it my second church. I mean, we were always there. And when we, as we were always there, we started seeing the same people. So, you know, we would get up from our table and walk over and say, hey, I saw you, we saw you here last week. What's your name? You know, and introduce ourselves. And within a couple of years, we made 30 or 40 new friends that we didn't know before, and most of them were unchurched and unbelievers. And they were, you know, close friends. I mean, we would hang out with them. We would go to their house. They would invite us to... Uh, one Jewish Seder, um, we, we were, you know, she asked us to come to the funeral of her mother. Um, and uh, every year we have a big party at our house and we invite all the musicians and all these people that we met. And it's, you know, like 30, 40 people, most of them unbelievers. And they, they like Shirley and I because we reflect the love of Jesus. And we've had many God moments, many opportunities to just share, share the gospel. Uh, just a few weeks ago, my wife, who's good at this, but she, it's not her personality. Now, if you know her now, you know her personality. She learned how to do that. Do that. We're at a restaurant, and just looking around the room, and said, God, who, who do you want me to reach out to? Who? And uh, she got up and went over to this lady, and she struck up a conversation with her. I'm over here watching. The conversation started with something like, I like your shoes. <laughs> But she was over there for about 10 minutes, just chatting away, and I'd see her, and I'd pray for her. And, um, and she called me over, so I come over, I meet the husband. You know, the husbands are usually a little behind, right? They're not as open and social. <laughs> I had to be dragged over. But anyway, I, I so they slid over, and they said, hey, sit down, you know? So we, we sat there, and we chatted with them for about a half an hour. Now, we didn't share the gospel with them, but you know what? We got to know them. And you know what? We're going to see them again, and we're going to do the same thing, and we're going to begin to build relationship. We did this with a couple, another Jewish and he was hard to get to know, but it took time, but I got to know him. He learned to like me, trust me. We're sitting one night listening to music, and he just goes, Peter, what does it mean to be born again? You know? You, you, you talk about... We talk about ask, you know, answering a question that they're asking. You see, he didn't know anybody that he can trust that he can ask that question to. He heard the term, and he wanted to know, but he didn't have anybody to ask. Well, you know, we, we were there, and he was able to ask me, and I was just able to give him a relaxed, detailed uh, answer to the question, shared my testimony, and now that's kind of an ongoing conversation with me, me and him. It's not, it doesn't come up every time, but... Um, it's, it's a start, you know, so um, 
Yeah, and so, and you know, anybody, anybody can do this. We're just, you know, we're just loving people. We're just um, uh, being, being there for them, being there in, when they're time of need. This one other lady that we met, a single mom, and uh, she calls my phone up, and she's, she's crying. She goes, Peter? I said, yeah, what, what's the matter? And she goes, is Shirley there? And I said, yeah, yeah, Shirley's home. She goes, I'll be right over. And she just comes to the door five minutes later. She's crying. She didn't have anybody to go to. She was having real problems with her adult children. It brought her to tears. She didn't have anybody to go to except Shirley. Shirley just spent a couple hours with her. It's an ongoing thing. We're sharing, sharing the gospel little by little. Um, so, yeah, you know, Jack Smythe told me the other day, he goes, Peter, I struck gold. He goes, I, 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 ran in, I met this pack of about 15 kids about my age, guys about my age, that play volleyball. Now I'm playing volleyball with them. And, you know, he's got it. He's got to start making friends with those guys. And, you know, he might be the only believer they know. And, that, you know, that's it. So I think you know what I'm, I'm getting at. You know, we can all do this. And it's, you know, it's the mission of God to make Jesus known to everyone. There's uh, a saying, if you want to teach men to build a ship, don't just gather men and lumber and make lists of what everybody should do. Teach them to yearn for the vast, wide open seas, and then they'll figure it out. Brothers and sisters, when we get the vision for the mission of God, it will set our hearts on fire for the vast, open, and beautiful sea of making him known to all people. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to hear from you right now, so I'm just going to be quiet for a moment. Lord, we want to do this. We want this to happen in our lives. Lord, we want to make your name known to others. So, Lord, we ask you to help us, teach us. Lord, we can only do it by the power of your Spirit. And we know that you are willing to give us your spirit for this. So we thank you in advance. And again, we are grateful and excited to be a part of your mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for listening. Monument is a growing church pointing people to Jesus and planting churches in the greater D.C. area. For more sermons or information, please hop on to www.monumentchurchdc.com.